0: Welcome to MS Talk Radio. This podcast dives deep into the truth about your health. Every week, MS nurses deliver the most accurate and current health information. This podcast is not a substitute for personal and professional medical care and diagnosis. MS knows you are unique, so please consult your own healthcare professional for any medical issues you might be having. All of our podcasts feature live calls on current health topics that we've recorded for you, where people get to ask their questions. Let's dive in and get started.
1: Welcome to MS Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tommy Frankel, and with me tonight is Blima Marcus. Tonight is a very special and apropos before Pesach. We will be discussing freedom, Yiddishkeit, and public health. Our, guests, our special guest tonight is Dr. Moshe Cohn. Dr. Cohn is a pediatrician who specializes in critical care and palliative care. He sits on the ethics committee of a major hospital in New York City and studied medical halakha in yeshiva. Last week, we talked about vaccine injuries with Melody Ann Butler. You can access that recording by calling our hotline at 718-298-4279 or find us on Spotify as MS Talk Radio. If we have time, Blima will debunk our bonus questions on whether face masks can cause pneumonia. As always, if you have any questions, we would love to answer them on tonight's special topic. You can either email us or text us your questions. Uh, Email, you can send to info at msinitiative.org. That's I-N-F-O at emesinitiativ org, Or you can text us at 347-669-EMES. E-M-E-S Uh, is 3637. We will get to them towards the end of this program. Please note that we will be taking a break for Pesach, and we'll be back uh, April 8th. Go
2: ahead, Leamy. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Tonight's topic is um, a very important topic and definitely a very contentious one because we're going to be talking about um, an issue that came to the forefront this year with coronavirus. It's not a new issue, but it definitely became a very hot topic this year. And it's the issue of what do we do when something is going on in the public arena that can affect others. And what do we do when our behavior affects others? And now we're being asked to modify our behavior. And the ultimate question is, can our individual liberties be taken away? And can we be asked to conform our behavior for the sake of the public? So tonight we're going to talk about how this is not a new issue. We're going to discuss the legal views that occur with this issue and what the court has to say about individual rights versus public health. And then we're, of course, going to discuss the halakhic approach to public health. So, although about a year ago when mask wearing began, and it was just about a year ago today, initially we didn't believe or know whether masks would be necessary for this pandemic, and it turned out it was very necessary, and we started encouraging mask wearing. Um, It didn't take very long before people started protesting that. And... It's been all over social media, it's been happening live in communities everywhere where people have tried shopping without masks, people have had uh, kind of temper tantrums and trying to insist on their right to not need a mask, either saying that they can't breathe through a mask or they're too sick to wear a mask, which in that case you probably should wear a mask so that you don't catch coronavirus. and in the firm community, we definitely saw a lot of back and forth over whether masks work, whether people should be wearing them or not. But this happened to have started a very long time ago. And during tuberculosis uh, outbreaks back in the 1800s, there were laws put into place that would take away individual rights temporarily uh, as long as there was a public health threat. And at that time, there was a gentleman named Herman Biggs, who was the medical officer of the Department of Health in New York City in the 1800s. And the way he described his efforts to try to end tuberculosis, which is a very dangerous infectious disease, he said, quote, which is detrimental to health or dangerous to life under the freest interpretation is regarded as coming within the province of the health department. And what he's saying is that anything that can hurt other people gives us some rights to try to intervene. There was also um, a smallpox epidemic and pandemic that occurred over the last uh, 200 years or so between the 1700s, 1800s. And now it's gone. Um, That's because we've successfully vaccinated um, enough people that we have herd immunity. And now no one gets the smallpox vaccine anymore, which is a successful outcome. However, not everyone liked that people have to be uh, vaccinated. And one of the best court cases that helps guide cities and states and the federal government through public health crises was a case in 1905. And it's called Jacobson versus the state of Massachusetts. And what occurred in that time was when a gentleman did not receive his uh, smallpox vaccine. He didn't want to get it. And he was fined $5, which in those times was a lot of money. And he went to court and he ruled that, he, he protested that his rights were being violated. And what the courts determined, and this went all the way up to the Supreme Court, the court determined that individual liberties do not need to be prioritized when a city is threatened. And the courts defined a threat as either war or an infectious disease outbreak, which means that in an, in an outbreak of disease, which can harm other people or kill people, you might have to give up some of your freedoms. And these are temporary measures, but they're designed to save the most amount of lives. So these are things that have been happening and coming up over the last one or 200 years. Whenever there was an outbreak of something, people's behaviors were asked to, people were asked to modify their behaviors uh, during the Spanish flu in 1917, 1918. Uh, people were asked to mask up. And there were people who prevented, who who, who fought that. They they had riots, they had uh, gatherings, kind of similar to what we saw in the United States over the last year. So this is not a new issue, but it has been dealt with before. It's been dealt with in the law, which we just discussed. And it's also been discussed very, very often in the Torah. So we're going to talk now about how the Torah views health in general, how the Torah views public health, how the Torah determines what we can ask of people. And I think we could start with one one interesting question. And Dr. Cohn, you know, you can hop in now. What does the Torah say about individual
3: rights for Jewish people? Thanks, Leemi. Um so first thank you uh, both uh for for inviting me here tonight. Um especially because I'm it's a it's a topic that's given the events in the past year that is very is very concerning to me, um, both as a doctor, uh, especially an ICU doctor, but also as a as an Orthodox Jew. You know, before I even get to the halacha, something that occurred to me actually this morning about this, I was teaching uh, younger doctors at the hospital, and we were talking about ethics. And, and pediatrics, and how you know what is our responsibility as doctors, um, and how we make decisions to to take care of children who who are ill. And one of the principles of uh, of bioethics in the secular world, so this is not not in the Torah world. One of the principles is something called non-maleficence, meaning we shouldn't do harm. Uh, we, people may have heard the idea that we should do no harm uh, as a doctor's uh, oath. It's our promise we don't do no harm. But what's interesting in that in, in children, uh, and I read this to the doctors I was teaching this morning, that the the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is the large umbrella organization uh, for pediatric medicine in, in the United States, has a committee on bioethics, and they have a, a quote that define this idea of not doing harm. And they say, all children are entitled to effective medical treatment that is likely to prevent serious harm or suffering or death, right? There's mm-hmm. children have a right to expect that they're going to be cared for, that someone's going to prevent them from getting hurt. And what occurs to me as we as we talked about this topic uh, before tonight is that uh, that's not a new statement. That's we have that statement in our Torah uh, from thousands of years ago, right? That is a, the the pasuk is v'nishmar temodis nashroshehem. We have that pasuk. We are required to protect ourselves, to guard our, whether it's our neshama, our soul, or just our entire being. We have an obligation. It's not just a right. It's an obligation. Uh, mm-hmm. There and and from that standpoint, you know, that's my jumping off point. The, 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 I, I mentioned to you earlier, young Rav in had had uh, posted something on a, on a blog uh, about about halacha and. What the pandemic is teaching us, and this idea about our individual rights, and nowhere in the Torah do you have uh, anything that talks about zechuyos, right? Rights, individual rights. We don't have a right to anything. We believe that the 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 world and our lives um, are a, are a gift from a kadosh baruch So that means that we don't have a right to it. We we received it as a gift. Rabah, what we have is an obligation. The Torah mm-hmm. talks, left and right. We have mitzvot. The, the mitzvot are obligations. So let's start there. What are we required to do? And, and in a situation like this, as a doctor, it's very painful. And I know you, too, you've experienced this, too, in your, in your jobs as well. Um, it is very painful to see human beings and certainly Orthodox Jews getting sick and Rachmaninoff dying. Um, from something that we have ways of protecting ourselves. For a year, we had nothing but masks and distancing and following public health rules. And now we have a vaccine. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I called my rebbe before I got my vaccine. I said, "What brach What's the bracha? Should I make? Is shema malchus? Which one should I make?" And I was mm-hmm. crying when I made it because this is this is uh, not just. Science. It's not just something that came out of uh, a a textbook and and you know a lab. This is this is uh, this is creation. This is this is the miracle of creation. This is uh, that Hashem gave us His ability to create something to counter this horrible disease. So when I when I see that we have these things to protect ourselves and and clearly those things are allow us to, to keep the the midst of among many others to name a few right so there are uh, and i'm going to really speak to quite frankly the basic de i'm not a postic, i'm not a rav uh, i'm a uh, I'm, I'm a jew who who was raised to to believe that we are part of a community uh, that accepted a torah and in that Torah, we learn that we have an obligation to help people. someone who is suffering for any reason, we have an obligation to help them, um whether it's right So what might the be uh, someone is whether they're they're sick or whether they are you know don't have uh the means to understand what what the law is saying. Um, we shouldn't prevent people from from receiving health care. Uh I mean the simple aspect of Tadaka. Tadaka is not just giving money. What's the highest form? So someone should uh, you should help someone get a job and be able to sustain themselves. Well they certainly can't do that if they're not healthy.
2: You know, I actually uh, I want to jump in really quickly because you're describing what we're mandated to do in terms of keeping ourselves healthy, our loved ones healthy, our circles, our larger communities. And you know, I've been very vocal about the need for continued um care And, you know, in the firm communities, it's been – the the rules of social distancing and masking have really not been followed very closely in a lot of the firmer communities. Um, You know, the modern Orthodox communities have done a better job. But I've been very vocal about this. And I've had people say to me – you know, how can you criticize from communities? They're so good at chesed and they're so good. You'll, you'll, you'll never see a community donate kidneys at at the level that from Jews do and donate to donate food to the poor and save lives and and do this. And I said, that's absolutely true. And I'm intimately familiar with these organizations. I volunteered for many of them and I'm a extremely proud ultra-Orthodox Jewish person, but these organizations are only helpful after the fact. All right. It's it's great that you can start a fundraiser for a family when a young father dies and you can raise $400,000 in two days or more, but we need to do more of prevention, not just prioritizing the chesed after the fact or in other areas. And one of the things that's very difficult when it comes to doing really good chesed, it makes you feel good. Either if you do it privately, it makes you feel good privately. And sometimes you get publicity for it. If you don't need a kidney, often people find out about that. If you're sitting on the board of a Tadaka organization, people know that. It gives you some degree of code, and you do get some feel-good out of it. There is no feel-good uh, benefit from wearing a mask and not going to shul and avoiding people.
1: If, it it does feel good. If I can interject, in fact, sometimes wearing a mask in some communities, you're looked at. Like, what are you
2: even doing? Sometimes,
1: yeah, so, can why? why? Can I ask?
3: Can I ask why? Because uh, I'm not. I, I'm not Hasidish. I'm not. i I'm not considered myself Haredi or ultra orthodox. So why? Why would people look at each other that way? What, what's the? What's you're, the issue of that and I out. really don't understand?
2: I
1: think standing so standing it's not. Yeah, it's, yeah. not
3: sneers, right, so it's not So
2: it's not sneer. I don't think it's a sneer thing. I think. I think. Um. For, for some communities people question whether masks are truly effective. People question whether uh, communities have herd immunity and masks are still necessary. Maybe some people think wearing masks are virtue, virtue signaling and, you know, wondering why are you still holding out and what are you trying to accomplish, you know? So, um, so no, Tommy, you're absolutely right. Not only is it not beneficial personally from a feel-good standpoint to engage in these public health behaviors a year down the road, but you might—it's inconvenient, it's uncomfortable. I mean, I, wear, I I wear a mask nine hours a day, four and a half days a week at work. It, it, it stinks. But that's that's why it it sometimes sustains behavioral changes even if they don't feel good. Sometimes that's what's necessary. And during this pandemic, of course, the huge seductress that came out of it, the life-saving behavior, the plasma that people were donating when we thought that it might be helpful. Now we know it's not really as beneficial as we hoped. But still, Jews showed up and they do such good work. So it's been doubly frustrating, like you said, Dr. Cohen, for providers, for from providers, from doctors and nurses. You know, you cried when you got your vaccine. I cried when I got my vaccine. All I saw in front of my eyes with the from patients that died in front of me. And I was so grateful that we have a vaccine and also so sad that so many people have died. And we we also, but we're all frustrated that right now we need to have a conversation in the from community about people protesting their personal rights. And as from people who we know that our number one priority is to, um, obey Hashem, have no other abode, keep the Torah, and our other priority is to watch over our lives. How did we come to this place where right now people feel that they have the right to not wear a mask or they have the right to avoid getting vaccinated? And I think what it also boils down to, and I, I think we should discuss Torah, we should discuss the halakha, but we should also discuss risk-benefit because I've heard some many people say, well, I'll decide that the vaccine is right for me. But that is the absolute wrong way to determine vaccine decisions. It has nothing to do with you. If you're a forty year old healthy person, you might feel you're at low risk. Why should you get the vaccine? Because it's not about you. And this is what we've seen. People get the virus, they might do fine, but if they transmit it to someone else who dies, someone else just died. And we've been saying this over and over. We've been begging people to comply, and we're all very, we're very sad that in a community where we see so much good and i will never say that there's more bad than good there's always much more good than bad but there's always also room for improvement and
3: you know uh, i i want to i want to just say that the way the way that that the way that you present that i think is so important because um what distinguishes let's what distinguishes human beings from animals right is our ability to speak and think and believe animals don't believe in anything and and in in human history uh the it's always been about belief right until until modern science everything was about belief um before science existed you know Mm -hmm. all, all hazal could do was believe in whatever they felt they understood from their Torah from what they learned from their Rebbeim and, and, you know, and so on and so forth and pass it on. That's, that's what they had. They had belief. They didn't really have science. Oh, they had certain observations, right? You know, even certainly the way we have uh, the the Halakos of Kashrus, right? They're based on, there's a lot of math there, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But, but until modern science, we, all we had was belief. And all of a sudden now, and, and I, and I understand this, that what we as from Jews see outside of our world is that there's this belief in the outside world that science is above all, that science is above God. And that is a problem because science is not above God, but there's a missing part of that statement. And the missing part is science is from God. And right. if we forget, if we forget that, Then we are going to unfortunately separate science from belief. And when, when the government then comes in or a doctor comes in or whoever comes in and says, I'm sorry, but science says you have to do this. It almost doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the science is anymore because if that even touches on a edge of your belief in your, how you want to live your life. Then it's then then as a Jew, our belief is so strong that we don't want anything to harm it. We set these gederim for ourselves, right? We set a mm-hmm. we set a siyag la torah, but we set a siag for our our Jewish lives. And and if it encroaches on school, if it encroaches on shul, th- that's very powerful. We don't want, we want to protect our way of life as we always have. It's why we're still here. So I understand that fear that of Shalom it should touch on or disrupt our life. Where mm-hmm. I think I think, think is, yeah, go ahead,, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, so I, I was, also want to yeah. touch on one more thing, and then we have to actually get to some of the things we wanted to do, but it's, it's a lot of fun just talking too, um, <laughs> we're- ta- what what we've been talking about is um how it's difficult for some people to, let's say, embrace science as a final decider, hypothetically, right? You know, well, science mm-hmm. has determined that masks work or masks don't work, so now everyone needs to wear masks, right? So, but I've been, I've been trying to understand for the last several months, and I'm talking about particularly the Haimish community, the ultra-Orthodox community, Border Park, Williamsburg, Lakewood, similar communities like that, because I've had some people who are Jewish, um, are not ultra orthodox. I'm not sure if they live a, if they live in orthodox lifestyle altogether. Who have been very um, strong in how they've spoken to me about my beliefs and they they told me, you know, you're refusing to believe that this is a community that doesn't care about each other. And I've rejected that and I've actually blocked them on social media because I got tired of being pulled at because I don't believe that. This is a community that cares so much about each other that people will bend over backwards and give each other the shirt off their back. So something has to be at play here. We have a community that cares so much and will stop drop and do anything for our neighbor very often, but yet is still often struggling with some 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 rules that were put in place to protect each other. And I think for the ultra Orthodox community specifically, and we also know that um, not following these public health guidelines happen in areas across the entire United States and other countries as well. So I can't answer for why the noncompliance goes on elsewhere. But in the Heimish community, it's an extremely culturally tight woven community. And it's almost unrealistic to expect them to be able to hold back from extended uh from extended periods of not going to shul, not having friends at a brisk, not having weddings. I mean, I tend to be a little more extreme in my thoughts and I see the deaths up front. So to me, not having a wedding to go to for a year and having a 10-person wedding in a backyard, doing that all year, not just during the surge when people did that a year ago, I still think that's reasonable if it's going to save lives. But I'm putting myself into the mindset of people in my community where I live, and I can understand why they can no longer do that. I can't understand it, even if I hate it and I disagree with it. And what I was so struck by is how a lot of Rabanim and Aristotle were not really being very firm with encouraging uh, compliance, with closing yeshiva, closing shuls. There were some Rabanim who said, no, we're going to stay open and open because that's what we need to do. And, you know, we all know Aristotle had a terribly hard time with it. But once vaccination began, there's been a huge, huge... Um, surge of approval. Rabunin were going and getting the vaccines. They were allowing them to be photographed on social media. They were making very firm statements about the need for vaccines. And I was talking to someone about this, and I realized it's because this allows us to get back to that lifestyle that is so integral to Firm G. Right. Looking, right cohesive, tightly wound, yeah. tightly bound lifestyles.
3: Right. right. And you, so, you know, it's funny it's because... Good, yeah.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, go
3: ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your talk. No, no, I'm I'm done. I I just it's funny as you're speaking. I just there are so many both of those stances, right? The stance of uh, getting upset, you know, not not closing yeshiva or not wearing a mask or, or whatever it is, you know, resisting closures of of our of our major mostos, versus the pro vaccine stance and saying yes, we have to be vaccinated so that we can make sure we are in yeshiva and all healthy. Both of those things fall under the same belief system, right? You want to be able, right? So I don't see them as being in conflict. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. They're not in conflict, but what it also says to me is that ultimately those decisions, and I'm seeing this a little bit as an outsider, but those decisions appear to me to be human decisions. They're cultural decisions about what's best for the community. They're not halachic decisions alone. And that's okay, right? Because our post-game have to also make public policy decisions for the community, for sure. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but it's the fundamentals that somehow, to me, like I see them have, having gotten lost, right? So the... Yeah the, whether it's, whether it's the simple, like, so for example, getting a vaccine, right, reminds me a little bit about, okay, we, we, we're willing to violate Shabbos. Why? Why, why can you, why can you violate Shabbos for piku nefesh So that you can keep Shabbos next week, right? Right. Right. Because it's, it, right. it, it's important. So, so here, if, if, if that's, if that's all it takes, we get a little vaccine, there's no halachic violation there. And, and I will, I do have to say, that I'm perhaps one of the most troubling things to me about the vaccine issue, as it were, whether it's this vaccine or any other, and this is speaking as a pediatrician, is that um, there there is no excuse for any Jew, let alone someone who's not Jewish and religious, because I know other religions as well. But there is there there is no excuse to raise halacha or Torah. As a reason to not be vaccinated, the fact that, that, that there are people agree claiming and I
2: want to and I want to get us on track here because I want to actually hear from you. What does either the Torah or the commentaries we turn to for 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 ruling on these big issues? And I know we've heard this from um, uh, I think Rev alman Orbach had a very strong opinion on vaccination. Rev um uh, Eliashof. Yeah, Yashev had very strong opinions on vaccinating um and, and many others. So I'd like to hear from you and we do have to also touch upon risk and benefit and and how that plays in and how people perceive it. But first let's hear what are the general how does how do how do Jews decide if they are mandated to get a vaccine? Are you allowed to mandate a Jew to get a vaccine? Can you mandate so, a Jew to get a vaccine yeah. if there's a if there's a little risk to getting a vaccine?
3: So it's really funny, you know, the, uh, because I, I sit on an ethics committee and I, uh, I'm not a, a, a scholarly ethicist, but I, I am an amateur ethicist, but I work with, with pretty well-known ethicists who have talked about this issue in the, for the general public. And in the United States, actually, um, there is a debate in the secular world about whether or not vaccines can and should be mandated. Um, there are circumstances where we say yes, they should be, um, and there are others where we say they shouldn't be, but we are allowed to what we say coerce. And how do we do that? And most people are familiar that you know we we say a child shouldn't come go? to school unless they're vaccinated. Okay, very good. So and that's simple enough, uh, and and it, and it takes care of a very very big problem, uh, and that is, and this is this is relevant to the halachic part. Uh, I've said this, Blima, you've said this uh, publicly and elsewhere, uh, but it bears repeating. The vaccines are the greatest success in medical history in terms of saving lives. Vaccines have saved more lives than any other medication, surgery, treatment in the history of mankind, period.
2: Yep.
3: Yep. even just that statement, that's a fact. It is not, a, it's not an opinion. It's not a, an interpretation of data. It is, an, it is a fact. If we took that and you bring that over to the requirement that we have, the requirement to, uh, uh, and I appreciate what you said earlier about you know, we don't want to do, behave or, or do things retroactively, right? And, and we, don't be, we don't want to be reactive, we want to be proactive. So, v'nishmartem is proactive. We want to safeguard, we want to protect ourselves. The, the right. halacha, the mitzvah, and the Torah, the reactive mitzvah is l'samad al-dam We don't want to get to the point of l'samad al-dam We don't want to be in the position where we have to worry about someone dying and have to intervene with medications that have side effects with machines that have side effects, but that we have to use for the risk benefit that you were talking about. I don't want to use those. I don't want to have somebody on a ventilator. Right. It's, it's not good. But right. so, so, so how do we prevent that? Vaccines prevent that. That's, that, that's right. very straightforward. Um, and, and, you know, there's that list of, uh, I mean, you want to talk about de Malhusa, you want to talk about I mean how about bigger bigger things, ho <laughs> Like I mean, you know oh, wow. you have a vaccine yeah. I mean, you have a vaccine that, like most other vaccines, uh have relatively minimal side effects as compared to the disease that they prevent um, then uh and not, that not only protects you, but like a mask, it also protects somebody else, so what right? Do we have, what, what right do we have to put somebody else in danger? That's the only, I would say, the thing that the Torah talks about, you know, what our obligations are, it, the Torah says, it doesn't give us rights, but the Torah says that we don't have certain rights, right? We don't have a right to put somebody else in danger, right? So, so we certainly shouldn't do that for another Jew. And in fact, if, a, if somebody's in danger, whether it's yourself or somebody else, from Either a person or a disease. There's an issue of rodef. If someone is going out, and someone's going out and putting other people in danger, I mean, those are very serious. Those are serious avers. How, how do you not even? Uh, to me, that's that's fundamentals. Um, but then there's the chil Hashem. We're living in a in an, in the age of information. where instantaneously. Somebody walking down the street with a smartphone snaps a picture of a from Jew not wearing a mask in a public space where there are Jews and non Jews. I walk into the hospital every day and I have been asked, like, new, what's with the Jews? Yeah.
2: I I think we've, it's it's so painful. You know, it is. I, mean, I don't have an answer, like you or said. Even though,
1: even though we're not the only group that does it, when you when you're uniform and you you kind of link together, you know, and yeah. you're in a you're and in a hospital that's community based, and there's a lot of Jewish people, and then you know you're the Jewish person on the floor, and they all turn to you and ask you to you know explain yeah. why you do this. It's it's very hurtful, right. and and honestly, it's it's a little difficult to explain.
3: I'll be I'll I'll make a it's like a another like sort of a drush on that, right? What what was our what was the, the, the chus that we had from the and Shrine? We're in the we're in Pesach season, right? So so what what did what were the 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 things about about us that that we and are praised for, mom, right?
1: Yeah, right. So
3: right, our malbusham. So our, our the way we look, right? What does that right. mean? It doesn't matter what it means exactly. Whether it's a, whether it's a you know knitted, a knitted right. yamaka like I have, or whether it's a, it's a kapata and a bekasha, It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm but we look like a Jew, we're proud to look like a Jew, but as a consequence of that, we have an obligation to behave like a Jew, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. In fact, a lot of times it's uncomfortable, um, whether it's without, from without, like what, what, how we are viewed by the world, um, or sometimes with our own our own mitzvot. I mean... To listen, to put it in perspective, also, uh, I, I, I would say something that my, my, one of my urbain used to say to me all the time. We, we complain about, so we're very good at complaining. So I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to get a vaccine. I don't want to wait six hours for my ice cream after I have meat. But really, the Torah only asked us, Hashem has only asked us to do two things that are painful, Baris Mila and fasting on Yom Kippur. Like they are physically painful. Right. So from the standpoint of of rights, I mean, yes, we're American. I'm a fourth generation American. Okay. Um so, Are you even yeah. Jewish? Uh, as far as I know, my father is Jewish. My <laughs> grandfather—I don't know. No, that's a, thats the Kahuna. Sorry. Um, <laughs>
2: uh, I'm actually so, third generation somehow. So
3: yeah, we're not yeah, the immigrants here right? either. So, yeah. so right, so we're Americans. So I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud of the protections that this country has afforded us for to, for us to follow uh, to follow the Torah in in peace. Um, but to claim that. We have rights that supersede the Torah is a little strange to me. That's not something I've ever heard of in my entire life. So uh, right.
1: So, and but, so I, the reason. I also, mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say that um, it's to me sometimes the ideas that are come like you know because you're in the hospital you have a front patient you start talking and sometimes the ideas that you know people bring up you know to me it really it. It doesn't sound like from kite, It doesn't sound like Yiddish kite, you know, because you know, kol yisrael or even Zella Zer Like you're doing this for everyone else. We're part of a community. You don't know who you're affecting. Your neighbor might have something that you don't know about because they're not going to discuss it. And you know, they're the one who can get sick. And to say like, Tommy, you're,
2: you're raising, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I, you're raising a really important point and I want to address that. And then I just want to quickly make sure we get to cover one other yes. point that, that ties in all of this. But you're absolutely right. And um, I did a talk in Williamsburg. I, I think you were there, Tommy, as well. In, in the school? 2019. Uh, yes. We did it in the school during the measles outbreak. And we did it because a young woman called me and told me that her four-year-old has cancer. And she had been hoping to send him to Yeshiva that year because the year prior he was getting chemotherapy and wasn't in school. And unfortunately, the next year was when the measles hit. So he spent a second year out of school because it was too dangerous for him to uh, be around unvaccinated children and her neighborhood doesn't vaccinate her building has a lot of people that don't vaccinate her siblings don't vaccinate their children. So. She she heard of me. She called me, said, hey, can you come down? I'll get together a group of women. Let's just talk about vaccines and why they're important. And we did. We were there for about two, three hours. We had about four nurses there. And um, we covered a lot of important topics in vaccination. And one of the things we always end off is we talk about people who are immunocompromised. And we say, listen, most people will get a, an infectious disease and be okay. Whether it's the measles, whether it's the chickenpox, whether it's coronavirus, the flu, most people will be Okay. But there are always some that won't be okay, and those are the ones we want to protect. And the woman said to me, "We're not required to injure ourselves for someone else's sake." And that's the crux of the problem. When you view vaccination as something with such a high risk, that's not based off facts. That's based off a belief system that vaccines aren't safe. And this is it's, you know, an entire other topic that we can cover another time. And we and every week we do bring up different issues related to vaccine safety in different you know areas. But it does boil down to how people figure their own risk for disease or their own risk for vaccination. And that's where we need to make sure people are getting accurate information, stemming the flow of misinformation, not sharing things that you get if you haven't verified it. All of these things which contribute to people believing in things that are not facts. They're simply not facts. And how can you make an accurate decision to protect your own loved ones and your neighbors and your community, your own grandparents, based on information you're getting that's wrong. We're talking about... More to your point, Sorry. Yeah, but more more to your point as well. So when I explained this to this woman, and I said to her, I said, you know, there's someone in this room whose child has cancer, and you, you don't know that. You don't know who that is. So if you send your children, children that are not vaccinated against certain infectious diseases to school, you don't know if your child will get another kid sick. They might catch the flu from your child if you didn't vaccinate your child. And her response was, the child will can't, with cancer will probably die of something anyway. And I went oh, home no, no. and I cried that night. And I cried oh. that night and I said, I, I said, now I know, I said, now I know the anti-vaccine movement has gotten to the heart of the community because Jews don't talk like this. No. not do not and, talk like this. And, and I I when that, one and I person lot in the community... Yeah. Yes. And we've seen that with COVID as well. Well, they're only elderly. Well, they're immunocompromised. Because they're elderly, because they're immunocompromised, that puts more of the onus on you. That means you need to be careful with your behavior. It means you need to watch where you go, how you're breathing. Are you masked? Are you wearing a glove? Are you distancing from the next person? It's on you because, Moshe, like you're saying, there's There are very few commandments that are that important in Judaism, but protecting yourself and protecting others.
3: Yeah, I mean, take it one step back, even, you know, we, you know, I think if you look back at other pandemics in history or outbreaks or epidemics, the major posts of each generation have commented because halachic issues came up, whether it's the number of people in shul and that was addressed. Uh, there's, a, there's a famous letter by Rabbi Akiva Eger talking about you, you have yes. to be responsible as a community. You, 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 yes. if, if you can't fit the right n- number of people in the shul, okay, so you do it in rotations and not everybody's going to be at Bazman and you have to shorten the tefillah. That's what we've been doing. I've been davening outside since June. Um, but, right. But, uh, so you know
2: what's so interesting about Rabbi Akiva Eger's letter. He says that you shouldn't allow more than 15 people in for one minute because yeah. if you anticipate that people will complain, you need to call the local authorities to be the guards at the door. Yeah.
3: Right. right. Can Hopefully. you
2: imagine having? Can you imagine if Bar Park had police officers at show doors counting people, right. throwing people out? Right. I mean, that wouldn't go so very far. And we should we should compare 1800s Poland
1: cops to like you know 21st right right cops. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Come on. Class. And yeah. this is Rabbi Akiva Eger in eighteen hundreds Poland saying to call the police if people weren't gonna follow it. And those police right. were blatantly and legally allowed right. to be anti Semitic.
3: Right. Right. Which is which he is crazy to think phone. of.
2: And he
1: was it's prioritizing
2: cr- yeah. not cultural Jewish behavior, not davening, right. not keeping the no. rules that we're used no. to, because the rules keep us comfortable. They keep us living the lifestyle we know and are used to. He was prioritizing making sure that the community doesn't drop dead,
3: because right. so, at, so, so at the end and, of the
2: day, that's what everyone's priority should be.
3: Right, and one of the things that 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 not just for me Eager, uh you could find in in so many. Chuvas and um, in the writings of of, uh, of Gedolim. I, I mean, every every year, forget century, forget you know decade. Um, uh, very very simple. So chamira sakanta or the idea that uh, a danger to one's life is more serious and needs to be taken more seriously than an iser, right? And that goes all the way up to the top, right? On Yom Kippur, right? On Yom Kippur, you are if you are if you're ill and the doctor says you have to eat, whether one doctor, two doctors, right, do whatever the halacha is going to specify, depending on the situation, but you ask an expert, which is what we're always told to do by our poskim. You find an expert that, that in that field to, to say, okay, no, I'm sorry, you have to eat on Yom Kippur. You are obligated to break your fast. You have to eat yes. on Yom Kippur because the danger is more, ma- you have to be more machmir about the danger to life. To your own life, let alone somebody else's life, yep. um, which would Judaism which would violate the separatists they altogether. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I just Judaism I just want to say one yes. more thing, and then we're yeah. really we're gonna have to finish go to the question, the um the, the, the uh, debunk. I just there was this is actually more recent. I I remember reading in the Shiva World News um, them talking about someone going through Chaim Kanievsky and talking about how the government was saying to wear a mask, and Rav Khaim response was saying, what, it's not the government, it's the Torah. The Mishnah Brewer talks about us wearing a mask as an obligation, and right. I found that, you know, very enlightening. Um, it's it's inspiring. It's so
3: inspiring. It, to me, and that's, that's, I think, for everybody who's listening and for people who are thinking about this, uh, as as someone who, you know, as we, we are healthcare workers, and we spend our day... Devoted to pikuach nefesh, I'm not patting us on the back for that. That's something that that's our job. But but the ability to to do that, it's not. We're not doing it because the government's telling us to, or because science is telling us to. Well, we follow scientific principles, which is also of course what our are telling us to do. But we're doing it, um, and and it's fitting with the Torah. We're, we're yep. doing it because the Torah says we do it. So how yeah. is that any different? All
2: right. I don't think we answered any questions tonight, but I think we brought up a lot of <laughs> points that, well, you know what? I wasn't intending to answer any questions because it's, it's a polarized issue and people have very strong beliefs one way or the other. I think what it boils down to is remembering that the Torah concept of health and wellness is number one, you follow the majority. Number two, you respect experts. Number three, you save lives. Nowhere does it say that you believe memes or you believe Facebook and uh, YouTube videos. So we really need And the lone doctor standing out against the majority medical opinion. Mm-hmm. And yes, and, and, right. and individuals that are speaking out with their own personal beliefs that are very anti-science. So that is not right. Torah, that yeah. is not Judaism. It never has been, and it isn't. And we need to get back to those basics. So hopefully we've covered some of that and reminded people about that. And, and yes, and the second reminder is that You know, when there's misinformation and people have to make a decision based on, based on information that they either lack or don't have good access to, um, that's when things get difficult and, you know, we're always available. You can email us at info at msinitiative.org. We don't tell you what to do ever, but we will give you the research or answers you need as you try to make your own decision. Um, We're not here for conspiracy theory conversations, but we are here to help you break down the science if that's beyond, you know certain people's ability. So we can always try to help you with that.
3: Um what we all I, I would just yes. say that I just I would I encourage people in the same way I encourage my my patients um because I take care of very sick children and uh, the a parents worst fear, right, is a sick child. Um yeah. and it can be complicated and there's a fear sometimes yeah of, okay, I better just, whatever the doctors say, I'm gonna listen to, uh, whatever they tell me. And, and I always say, no, 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 ask questions. I want you to ask questions because yes. it's certainly better for us to help if, if you ask those questions and then we're partners. So I, that, that mm-hmm. would be my, my, I would encourage everybody to ask questions, not to just say, oh, well, I heard me, I heard somewhere, somebody said something, well, ask a question find an expert, somebody who knows, and and, and make sure you understand. And be
2: prepared. Be prepared to accept an answer. Be prepared to accept an answer. It it can be very difficult for people with either preconceived notions or someone who's been um, on the receiving end of a lot of propaganda. It can be very hard to hear something that is very new to them or to be and it's scary and it can be everything scary. they're hearing absolutely absolutely um yeah. but it's very All very right. important for everyone to put that effort in because it's not only your life over here it's it's, it's everyone else around you um you or know, no? we, yes it is time we do we have
1: let's let's just do it really quick and and just okay. go through it
2: Because I think this is a
1: very, very important, I I, I feel this is very, very important for our listeners to hear about this, because this is something I've heard so commonly and so frequently talked about, and I think is a very basic misunderstanding. Um, Do face masks cause pneumonia or any other kind of illnesses or conditions from wearing a face mask for an extended period of time?
2: Okay, so usually I debunk it, but I'm going to let our guest speaker, Dr. Cohen, take it away. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm uh I'm not a textile expert. Um but um I I can speak for myself, but certainly the entire medical community, we wear masks in the hospital every day even before the pandemic. Um, yes. so masks don't cause pneumonia. Um masks uh probably the most thing the, the worst thing that they're going to cause uh, on their own is going to be maybe some skin irritation for some people. Uh, I've had to sort of notice that myself, and I wondered, why do I, why is my skin a little, you know, more red, or maybe it's, uh, maybe I have a pimple where I didn't have one before. Um, but, but beyond that, uh, the masks do not cause pneumonia. I actually was asked in the hospital recently whether they cause cancer. I think there may have been, um, that that's something they may have been floating around, perhaps mm. because of some masks that that might have uh you yeah, know perhaps certain certain substances in them, certain plastics, I don't know. Um but mm-hmm. masks don't do not cause cancer. Um there is certainly uh something to the idea that if you are wearing a reusable mask, then it should be washed. So that's no mm-hmm. different than I think any other piece of clothing, but certainly something that you are breathing in and out, then yes, you want to wash it uh, because that could uh, maybe you might get a cold. I think pneumonia from the mask itself. It's not the mask. It's that if you're wearing a dirty mask, if you put a mask that maybe, or if you share a mask, if somebody else has has a cold or somebody else is sick and they have a mask they cough into and then you pick it up, you put it on. Yeah, you could get sick, but that is not the mask. That's because you're putting something that's already in, an infectious thing in your you know in front of your and you're breathing it in. Um, so you I mean, I need think to be also, if you
2: look at entire industries who wear masks, now, first of all, people who work in factories are masked. People who work in garment industries are masked. People in healthcare, obviously, surgeons right. are masked. Um,
3: right. uh, they have at to be clean. They have
2: higher, they, well, sure, or or new masks if they're disposable and change them every few sure. days or whatever it is. Yes. Um, yes. I, I don't think we've ever seen a higher incidence of. Pneumonia or you know, no, we do not or anything. No, 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 we don't because
3: otherwise, otherwise, we'd be dropping like flies in the hospital. <laughs> right. We don't, we don't see it. Yeah, we
2: what we it. do see is that people wearing masks in hospitals before coronavirus managed to take care of really sick patients and not catch their illnesses. And that's probably because masks are part of the PPE we wear when we're with sick people. So it actually right. protects us; it doesn't make us sick. Um, so thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, good luck with your Pesach preparations. We will return on April 8th in Rish Hashem. We'd like to thank Dr. Cohn for his insights on freedom, Yiddish pride, and public health. Hopefully our conversation helped you formulate some of your own thoughts and everything. And as of now, uh, we will touch base after Yantif. We wish you a good night, a good Shabbos, and a hot R'sumeach.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the MS Talk Radio podcast. It means the world to us that you care so deeply about yours and your family's health. Please follow MS on all forms of social media. And please subscribe to the MS Talk Radio podcast. Or join us live Thursday nights at 9 p.m. by dialing 718-298-4279. That number also accesses pre-recorded events. We look forward to seeing you next week.